than a game, but it's not less than a game. So are you ready to play the game? If so, let me invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, will occupy all of our time here this evening. And I have to say, as we get going here this evening, that Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, is, in my estimation, one of the scariest verses in all of the Bible. In a lot of ways, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, acts as the warning label to the Christian life. Hear these words from the sacred text, Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, and note these words slowly and carefully, keep or guard or watch your heart with all vigilance, with all watchfulness, with all wakefulness. Why? For from it, the heart, indeed your heart, Flow the springs of life. The big idea here this evening is really quite simple. To successfully play the game of life, you need to vigorously and vigilantly guard your heart, not follow your heart. Again, let me take a jib jab at Disney. It's not follow your heart, it's guard your heart. It's monitor your heart. It's watch over your heart. It's analyze your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, the heart, your heart, flow the springs of life. Let's pray really quickly before we get into the nuts and bolts of this spectacular verse. Father in heaven, we come before you because you are the God whose mercy is more. Indeed, our sins are so many. We confess that collectively as Family Camp 5, but we also confess positively that your mercy is more. And that's why we come to you. That's why we're so grateful for you. That's why we adore you. That's why we worship you and you alone. And God, we're so thankful for this time in and around your word. And we only have a few minutes. We got miles and miles to go in so little time. So God, help me as a speaker here this evening to maximize every minute. These dear people don't need my rambling little insights. They don't need miscellaneous sidebars that are cutesy but not really helpful. They need meat from your word, specifically Proverbs 4, verse 23. So God, help me as a spokesman to do a good job here this evening and be with these dear listeners, helping them to block out distractions for there are many, many distractions and help them to tune into your holy word here this evening. Bless us, I earnestly pray. As we dive into your word, for it's in Jesus' most precious and powerful name, we pray all these things. Amen. As we get going here this evening, and as it relates to Proverbs 4, verse 23, let me say something quite blunt, but I mean every word. Each and every one of us is just a half step away from full stupid, and you never should go full stupid. But I'm absolutely convinced that each and every one of us is just a half step away from full stupid. You see, in each and every one of our hearts, there are seeds of rebellion 
that are fermenting. And our rebellion plays out or is exposed in different ways. If you're anything like me, your rebellion is exposed like this. I'm a rule follower. And I may not like the rules of the institution, but I'll follow the rules. In fact, I'll make the rules better once I'm in a position of power and influence. That's the type of rebel I am. And some of you are just like me. And from the outside looking in, we look so good, we look so righteous, so godly, but we're rebels at heart. We follow the rules to get our own way. Others of you can't jive with what I just said because you're a rebel of a different color. You're the rebel who wants to stick it to the man and no rules for me and I'll smash the windows and break every rule. But all of us have these seeds of rebellion fermenting in our hearts. We are all, all, all of us rebels at heart. And that's why I say we're just a half step away from full stupid. If you don't like that phraseology, let me phrase it like this. Each and every one of us is closer to disqualification, disapproval, and disaster than we would like to think. And I have been alive long enough and I've seen famous ministry leaders fall one after the other to tell you that all of us are closer to disqualification, disapproval, and disaster than we would like to think. I think that's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27 says these sobering words, but I discipline my body. And keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, heralding the truth to others, declaring the truth to others, proclaiming the truth to others, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I think the Apostle Paul had something in mind when he wrote these words under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I think what he had in mind is, I'm just a half step away from full stupid, God help me. God, help me. Therefore, relating all of that to Proverbs 4, verse 23, we must keep or guard our hearts. Lest we go full stupid and make shipwreck of our faith and of our lives. Can I say something? I I need to say something. As it relates to this whole conversation on Proverbs 4, 23, the warning label of the Christian life. Let me say this. We have an enemy. We have an enemy, and it's not the Democratic Party, <laughs> all right, it's not BLM, all right, it's not that nasty boss of yours or, or that uncooperative spouse. We have an enemy, and his name is Satan, and the devil, the accuser, the evil one. We have an enemy, and if he can't kill you, and oh, by the way, that's what he wants to do, he would love to see you dead and buried six feet under. This is why some of you ministry leaders, you type A personalities out there, that's why you struggle secretly with those suicidal ideations and thoughts. You can't escape the notion, maybe I'm just better off gone. And don't look out there like, I don't know what you're talking about. 2020 has really done wreckage on many of us. Dark thoughts, devilish thoughts. There's a reason why some of us are plagued with these dark, devilish thoughts because we have an enemy and he wants us dead. 
He wants us gone. He wants to literally bury our influence. But if he can't do that, he'll try to numb our impact for the kingdom by exposing our hypocrisy and our unrepentant sins. Therefore, listen to me, Family Camp 5, guard your heart. Guard your heart. We're all just a half step away from full stupid. We're all closer to disqualification, disapproval, and disaster than we would like to think. We have an enemy, and he wants to kill us or numb our effectiveness. We must keep or guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I describe it as a warning label of the Christian life. Here's another way to think about Proverbs 4, verse 23. Oh my goodness, it's like the check engine light of our souls. Ever have a vehicle that has that check engine light constantly on. I had a vehicle like that. We just recently got rid of it. It was a Jeep, 2006 Jeep Liberty. And that check engine light was constantly on. And initially, it kind of threw me for a loop, like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with the engine? I hear a little something that's not quite right. But as the weeks turn into months, and as the months turn into years, and the check engine light is still on, it's like, whatever, it's whatever. Vehicle still works. That sound is a little louder. The vehicle shakes more randomly than it should. You know, things are happening. And eventually, I intellectually know, like, this vehicle's going to give out on me, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. Check engine lights on, but it still runs. It still goes from point A to point B. It's fine. It's whatever. If it dies, I'll just get another one. And the sad reality is, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 is the check engine light of our lives, of our souls. And for some of you, your check engine light has been on for so long, you've gotten used to it. It's whatever. Your life is, you know, a little shaky. You know, there's some, you know, sputtering and sounds and things not quite right. And, you know, there's that blow up in the kitchen. And, you know, there's more blow ups, you know, happening than normal. But it's whatever. It's whatever, it's normal, it's natural, this is just life, better off than so-and-so. And what I want to do is something very uncomfortable here this evening. I want to pop the hood, and I want to tinker around the engine a bit. And some of you don't like that. Some of you literally don't like taking your vehicle to mechanic because, well, if anything like me, you want the mechanic to focus specifically on the issue that you're drawing their attention to. Like, there's this sound, focus on this sound and only this sound, tell me what's wrong with this, and fix that. But you know, if the mechanic is any good, he or she is going to do a little bit more than focus in on the problem you're bringing to them. They're going to tinker around other aspects of your vehicle. And they might discover, oh boy, you got a problem here and here and there. This sound is because of this issue. And we don't like to take our vehicle into the mechanic because what if they discover something and it's super expensive? Can't afford that. Well, as it relates to our souls, some of you don't like the pop the hood, tinkering around the engine of our souls because, yeah, there's things not quite right, but what if God's word discovers or has me discover something that's a major, major issue in my life? Well, that's what I'm inviting all of us to do. If you don't want to pop the hood and tinker around the engine of your souls, 
then you can leave, and we won't judge you, at least not externally. Does anyone want to leave here this evening? I didn't think so. So let's pop the hood and tinker around the engine. I want to ask two big questions here this evening. What does it mean to keep or guard your heart, and why is this important? Why must we do this? Well, cookies on the low shelf, bottom line up front, what does it mean to keep or guard your heart, and why do this? Well, what does it mean? It means, to keep or guard your heart means that your inward heart condition is your number one concern in life. That's very clear from the first part of Proverbs 4, verse 23, and why is this important? To keep or guard your heart? Because your inward heart condition channels all your outward choices in life. And that's crystal clear from the last half of verse 23. So, like messages passed this week, let's play these points individually and see what we see. What does it mean to keep or guard your heart? It means that your inward heart condition is your number one concern in life. So the question is, is that true? Is that true? The verse here is clear. Keep or guard your heart. Stop right there. What is this word heart all about? What does the author here, Solomon, mean when he uses that word heart? Well, very rarely in the scriptures does the word heart, cardia in Greek, refer to the actual physical organ. Often this word is referring to the seat of your thoughts and your will. It is, and I quote, and I think you'll see it up on the screens here, the heart is the deepest inward moral and spiritual convictions that produce who you really are. It is that immaterial aspect of you that makes decisions. The heart, simply put, is the sum total of who you really are. The writer here, Solomon, is crystal clear. Keep or guard your heart, your deepest inward, moral, spiritual convictions that produce who you really are. You must keep that or guard that or watch over that with all vigilance, with all wakefulness, with all watchfulness. So what does it mean to keep or guard your heart? It means that your inward, moral, and spiritual conviction should be protected, cared for, or given the utmost of attention. It should be your number one concern in life. And notice from the text how you're to keep or guard your heart, your deepest inward yeah, moral spiritual convictions that produce who you really are. Notice how you're to protect that or watch over that or guard that. It says, with all vigilance, with all wakefulness, with all diligence, with all persistence, literally the idea here is more than all guarding, guard your heart. More than all guarding, guard your heart. We're primed and programmed as 21st century Americans to protect things, to guard things. This is why many of you double check, perhaps triple check, did I lock all of the doors to my house before I left for Family Camp 5? You count the doors to your house. How many doors do we have? Did we lock all those doors? 
This is why many of you are primed and programmed to make sure that you lock the locks to your vehicle. This is why many of you have passwords to your bank accounts. We are primed and programmed to protect, to guard, to watch over things that we value. A house, a car, a bank account, more than that, our children, our family unit. And what Solomon here is urgently beckoning us towards is more than all that guarding that's so important, guard your heart. Your deepest inward moral spiritual convictions, those things need to be protected, looked after, and guarded. Keep your heart with all vigilance. The language here is militaristic in nature. It's militaristic in nature. Keep or guard your heart with all vigilance. The idea is of walls. Walls protect things. Walls keep the bad out and keep the good in. This is not a political thing when I say this, but, well, I guess it's slightly political. I think some people in our country don't understand how walls work. But walls are very effective. It keeps the bad out. It keeps the good in. Keep or guard your heart with all vigilance. The idea is of walls. And let me, let me say this. Walls in Bible times, very high, very thick. You can fact check me on this. Bible check me on this. But I, but I believe the walls of Jericho were so high and so thick that you could actually ride chariots around the perimeter of the wall. Many of the ancient walls in Bible times were very high and very thick. You think of places like Iraq when we were there fighting in that country. There were walls around the forward operating bases, very high, very thick. And let me say this, walls are very effective in and by themselves, but they're more effective with a guard on top. They're more effective with someone on top that is with all diligence, all wakefulness, not falling asleep, monitoring the situation, not looking back at the good that's behind them, but looking out towards any threat that might be approaching. The idea here in Proverbs 4, verse 23, is that we must keep or guard our hearts with all vigilance like a soldier on top of a wall, looking out to see what threats might be approaching. Does that make sense? Shake your head yes if that makes sense, because time is quickly evaporating. Side note, if we are told here in the Scriptures to keep or guard our hearts, then that implies something. That implies that there's something good in our hearts worth guarding. If we're told to keep or guard our hearts, I'll say it again, it implies that there's something good in our hearts worth guarding. And you theologians out there should have your red flags way up high right now. What's he about to say? What I'm saying is this, Proverbs 4.23, when you look at the whole of Scripture, is targeting Christians. It's targeting individuals who have new, transformed hearts by Jesus. If you are here and you're cold to the gospel, indifferent to the gospel, cold and indifferent to Jesus, cold and indifferent to the claims of Jesus, then this verse is not for you. 
You need a transformed heart by Jesus, a new heart by Jesus, and only then do you have a heart worth guarding, worth watching over. Big picture, 30,000 foot concept there, side note comment for sure, but incredibly important. And so if you are here and you're merely a good person, a moral person, but not a godly person because you haven't been transformed by Jesus, then you need to come to Jesus in saving faith. What does that mean? It means this. You a nasty sinner, and you know it. In affection, thought, word, and deed, you fall short. The standard for heaven is perfection. You're not going to make it. I don't care how many good works you do, how many times you punch your time clock or whatever to get into church. There's nothing good you can do to merit God's favor. You need to come to a place where you recognize I'm a sinner, Jesus is not, Jesus saved me. And when that happens, Jesus invades your life and you get a new heart, a transformed heart that you're then told to keep or guard with all vigilance. Make sense? It has been said, above all things that have to be guarded, keep or guard thy heart. It has also been said, guard riches, property, health, body, everything in short in which you have legitimate interest or which is advantageous, but before and above everything else, keep a guard on your heart. So what does it mean to keep or guard your heart? It means that your deepest inward moral spiritual convictions that produce who you really are is your number one concern in life. Now, why is this important? It's important because your inward heart condition channels all your outward choices in life. Notice the text again. Keep or guard your heart, your deepest inward moral spiritual convictions that produce who you really are. Keep that with all vigilance, all wakefulness, like a soldier on top of a wall. Why? For from it, the heart, who you really are, flow the springs of life. We must keep or guard our hearts because our inward heart condition channels all of our outward choices in life. And choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. We parent young children, four, soon to be five, and this is something that my wife and I are constantly telling our children. Choices have consequences. To use my wife's phraseology, but not unique to her, you can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequences. I have a brother in Florida. He's a cop, and a couple weeks ago, he was on a high-speed chase to catch a robber, he broke into a lady's home, a lady's apartment, stole some stuff, and then he began to flee the police. And so he was on this high-speed pursuit. We text each other every day, me and my two brothers, and he was showing off his fancy video footage of the high-speed chase, super cool, he looks super awesome. They got the bad guy, and I texted my brother, I'm like, that was a cool video, it's a good catch, proud of you, so awesome. I said, hey, what's going to happen to that guy? My brother's like, well, I'm no lawyer, but considering all the charges, everything that he did, 20 plus years in federal prison. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. This guy made a decision. He did something in a moment in time. He broke a window, snuck into this lady's house, stole some stuff, and then fled from the police. 
And that, plus all the other things he did in that evasion, 20 plus years of his life, he'll be thrown potentially into prison. Choices have consequences. Why must we keep or guard our hearts? Because it channels all of our outward choices in life. Notice, it says, for from it the heart flow the springs of life. What are the springs of life, you ask? I asked the same question in my sermon prep for this message. So I consulted the commentaries. One commentary said this, the springs of life are the issues of life. I'm like, that's not helpful at all. What are the issues of life? <laughs> for those of you who are pastors or preacher types, you, you know my pain. Sometimes you're consulting these commentaries and it's like, I have no idea what's going on here. I was confused before and now I'm doubly confused. The springs of life are the issues of life. Well, thank you, PhD so-and-so. I'm still very confused. So I did some more digging. The issues of life, which are the springs of life, are simply the choices of life. All right, so let's level the playing field. Keep it simple, okay? The springs of life that flow from our heart are the choices of life that give birth to the consequences of life. And the writer here, Solomon, is emphatic that the choices of life that give birth to certain consequences of life can be traced directly back to your heart, what you crave and what you chase. Listen, Family Camp 5, listen, Family Camp 5, you got to be careful what your heart craves and what your heart is chasing after. Even little things. Even little things can get your heart off track. Frequently, after a long day, I'll find myself in the kitchen, and I'll open the fridge, and I'll close it, and I'll open it again, and I'll survey the scene, and my wife will ask me, David, what are you doing? And I'll frequently respond to her with something snarky like looking for satisfaction, looking for contentment. And she, being a good wife, will remind me, it's not found in there. Just go drink some more water, honey, okay? You're not really hungry. You're dehydrated. We need to carefully monitor our hearts. What do we crave? What are we chasing? Let's be real, guys. Let's be real, gals. Let's be real, all of us. What do we want? Satisfaction, contentment, peace, joy. And it's not found here. So many of us are trying to squeeze so much out of this life. Some of you are here at Family Camp 5 and you're putting too much weight and pressure on this week. As if this will be the week. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be that mm, thing. Maybe not. Maybe it'll be like the worst week ever, right? We want so much out of this life. Satisfaction, contentment, joy, peace. It's not found here. This life is not all there is, Family Camp 5. This life is not all there is. There's an eternity that awaits us. I'm trying to stare into all of your eyeballs. I'm trying to make connection with you. Do you understand that? 
You and I all want the same thing. We want satisfaction, we want contentment, we want joy, we want it all. And, as the greatest showman so beautifully phrases it, it's never enough. Ever see the greatest showman? Mind the wrong crowd for that? Okay, yeah, all right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, greatest showman, yeah. It's never enough. It's never enough. One degree is never enough. Gotta get another one, then gotta get another one. I don't know anything, better get another one. Different experience, it's never enough. It's never enough. You got to monitor your heart, what it craves, what it chases after. And what I want you to understand based on Proverbs 4.23 in light of the whole of Scripture is your heart and my heart want the same thing and it's not found here in this life under the sun. It's found in the next life. So enjoy this life. Enjoy this life. Enjoy the smiles and the songs and the sunshine. Enjoy this life, but don't expect too much from this life because this is not all there is. So we must keep a guard on our hearts for from it, from it flow the springs of life, the issues of life, the choices of life that give birth to the consequences of life. And those consequences can be good or bad for you and others. You understand this, right? You can't sin in a vacuum, right? You guys out there, you leaders out there, this is especially true for us. We cannot sin in a vacuum. We cannot sin in isolation and expect that this will only hurt me. We will end up hurting so many people if we continue down this path. Be careful. Above all guarding, guard your heart. What are you craving? What are you chasing after? Why are you doing what you're doing? From your heart flow the choices of life that give birth to the consequences of life, and those consequences will play out for good or bad for you and others. Oh, I won't hurt my family. I won't hurt my church family. I won't hurt these people. You will. You will. You just will. Let a half-Asian preacher with a comb-over from the middle of nowhere say, you will, okay? You will. Listen to me. You will. You're not the exception to the rule. A little excursus, a little excursus for you. Let me give you a life hack, all right? Heart, actions, consequences, all right? Be a little charismatic with me. Say that with me. Heart, actions, consequences. One more time. Heart, actions, consequences. We need to understand that from our hearts, what Proverbs 4.23 is addressing, flow our actions and thus our consequences. In fact, the rest of Proverbs 4 seems to outline that. Notice the text again. Get your eyeballs on the text. Keep or guard your heart, who you really are, with all vigilance, like a soldier on top of a wall. For from it, the heart, the real you, flow the springs of life, the issues of life, the choices of life that give birth to the consequences of life. Then, verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. For from the heart flow mouth problems, 
Then verse 25, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. From your heart come eye problems. And as Dr. Jim from Faith Baptist Bible College once said, what turns your eyes turns your heart. What turns your eyes turns your heart. Guys, gals, all y'all, be very, very careful when it comes to whatever you take a double take at. And I'm not just talking about males to females or females to males. I'm talking about whatever is causing your eye to go boom, boom. It might be in the realm of sexual morality. It might be in the realm of technology. It might be in the realm of food, drink, you name it. What is turning your eyes? What is captivating your attention? What is causing those cravings and those urgings? From the heart come mouth problems, verse 24. From the heart come eye problems, verse 25. From the heart come feet problems, verses 26 and 27. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. I think Solomon is drawing our attention to something, that there's heart, actions, consequences. And listen, we're almost done, so you look tired from brisket, so just stay with me. Listen, this is important, all right? This is the crescendo of the message. Please hear me. So many people that I run into, at least, in pastoral ministry, when they come to my office for pastoral counseling, they are only interested in actions and consequences. They're only interested in this is what I've done, and they've probably cleaned up the story for me, and these are the consequences. You have to get to the heart of the issue. From the heart, the real you, flow the actions of life that give birth to the consequences of life. If you only focus on actions and consequences and miss the heart, you're in for what it hurt. I remember several months ago, this was last year sometime, yeah, last year, my wife and I, family, woke up, went downstairs, and we smelled something awful, something absolutely awful. It smelled like feces, for indeed it was feces. We opened the door that leads to the downstairs basement area, and our sewage system was going everywhere, just sputtering brown nastiness everywhere. How ridiculous would it have been for me and my wife to go, no problem, feces everywhere, smells bad, let's uh, get a... a mop and a bucket and some soap. Let's clean all this up. Febreze this bad boy. Good to go. Good to go. If we would have just done that, which is important because that's nasty and needs to be cleaned. If we would have just done that, what's going to happen in just a few hours? What's going to I know we're not plumbers. It's going to, yeah, it's going to come back. The feces is going to come back. It's all going to come back. The brown nasty, the brown goo is going to come back. Why? Because we only focused on the outward, the external, the nastiness. And we could have cleaned it up and made it look like it never, ever happened. But if you don't address the real issue, the sewage system is messed up. So get here, plumber, and fix this, which he did. It was a he, right? Yeah, it was a he. If we don't address the issue... It's just going to happen again. 
Some of you are here, even at Family Camp 5, and all you want to do with your family, your friends, your pastor, whoever's here with you, is you want to talk actions and consequences. Proverbs 4.23 says we need to get to the heart. What is causing all of this fighting and turmoil and what is causing all of this disunity? What's causing this mess? And if we want to go full legalistic, all we do is bring out the bucket and the mop and the Febreze and make it look like it never, ever happened. And some of you have gotten so used to that and you wonder why you're so tired. Because you're only cleaning up the mess of your life. You're not getting to the heart. Something is desperately off with your heart. Something is off kilter with your heart. That's why you got the mouth problems, the eye problems, the feet problems, whatever problem you're facing. Because it's heart, actions, consequences. Is that crystal clear? I'm one minute over, but I'm going to just land the plane here, all right? I was talking with a family camp fiver. His name is Scott Kroger. Scott Kroger, you're here, I know, because you were singing, right? Where are you? Oh, he's not. He's going to be shy. Wherever. He's here. He's there, right there. New friend, fellow pastor. And he approached me and gave me great advice as it relates to this series. He's like, Proverbs is a great book. But if we're not careful as preachers and preaching through Proverbs, we can lead our people subtly towards a legalistic mindset. Fear the Lord, fear the Lord, Proverbs 1, 7. I got to fear harder. Okay, all right, trust the Lord, trust the Lord, Proverbs 3, verse 5. I need to trust harder. Okay, okay, Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart with all vigilance. I got to guard harder. I got to think faster, do more, do better. And Scott was like, hey, brother, show us Christ. Don't forget to show us Christ. So I hope in all of my energy, my zeal, my spasticness, however you're interpreting all this, I hope I'm not leading you subtly to thinking you got to think faster, try harder, do more, pull up your bootstraps, and I'm just going to be a better Christian. No, stop it. You can't. You can't. And some of you are playing that game, and that's why you're beat down, bust down, broken down, tired. You can't do the fear of the Lord, trusting the Lord, guarding your heart in your own strength. It is Christ in you. That's our hope. That's our glory. And that's a good way to end this. Guard your heart because of Christ in you. And one final side note comment before I close in prayer. Remind me, who wrote Proverbs 4 verse 23? Who? Do you remember the tone and tenor of his whole life? Do you remember the things he did? Do you remember how many women he indulged in? Think about the writer of this account and everything he experienced under the sun. And then let these words haunt you like I'm sure it haunted him. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Can you see old man Solomon penning these words under inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Maybe with some regret in his heart and in his mind. Because the writer of this account 
He didn't do this. But he wants us to. And we can, by the Spirit of God and the grace of God, do just that, right? We can keep our hearts with all vigilance, knowing that from it flow the springs of life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how grateful and thankful we are for this time that we got to spend in your word. Help me and help my fellow family camp fivers to live out the truth of Proverbs 4.23. That above all guarding that we do in this life, may we have a guard on our hearts, watching carefully what we really believe, what we really love, what we're really craving and chasing after. Because we know that the heart affects everything else, our actions, our consequences, and we want our hearts to glorify you. We want our actions to glorify you. We want our consequences to give glory only to you. So help us, especially those of us who are young in this room. Statistically, we've got a long way to go and plenty of time to make shipwreck of our faith and of our lives. So hold us fast. Keep us in the center of your will and do a great work in and through us for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen.